Today's going to be an unusual uh, service in, in one sense. It'll be a little shorter than usual. Um, if, you're vis- if you're a guest with us this morning, first time, we're so glad you're here with us. Um, if you're watching online for the first time, we want to welcome you as well. We are coming at the tail end of uh, two weeks of fasting and praying. We've been getting together on Monday night, Wednesday night, and Friday night for services and just seeking God and praying together. And we've been doing that for two weeks. And it's just been a wonderful time of really focusing our heart and our attention um, on the Lord and, and really kind of looking at this upcoming year and saying, God, we don't know what it holds. Uh, if there's anything we've learned in those last two years is that nobody controls what takes place except God, right? And so um, we don't know what it holds, but we know who holds it. And we're thankful to God for that. And so we wanted to start the year off with a season of prayer and fasting as our habit has been for the last uh, number of years here at Integrity. And what we've been doing in the, each of those times, these last, um, uh, these last seven other times we met, is we've been looking at Colossians chapter 3. We talked about the importance a couple weeks ago about putting off the old man, right? Uh, the importance of, of, of weakening our flesh so that we can strengthen our spirit. Remember Jesus saying to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, could you not tarry for one hour when, they asked, when he asked them to pray? Here is Jesus. He is stressed out. He is aware of what is about to happen, right? The cross is in sight and he's in the garden and he cries out, Father, if there's any other way if it be possible let this cup pass from me this cup of suffering but he said nevertheless not my will but your will be done but he asked his friends something we never see Jesus ask his friends for before he asked someone three occasions will you pray with me will you stand with me and each time they fell asleep and then Jesus says to him your spirit is willing but your flesh is weak and we celebrated the fact that, that Jesus affirms the fact that their spirit is willing. There was a want to. There's a desire to honor God. There's a desire to please God. And I think for each and every one of us, I mean, you're here today because your spirit's willing. And you look and you say, God, I want to be everything you want me to be. And I, I've, I've got some work to do. I've got a, I'm a mess in this area, that area. But you know what, God? I want to be everything you want me to be. My spirit is willing, but... But my flesh, I just keep tripping over myself. Can anybody identify with that, right? And that's what we see taking place with the disciples. And you see, what fasting does is it's a strategic way of weakening our flesh, feeding our spirit, and starving our flesh. And so we've been going through Colossians chapter 3 together because really that's what Paul is laying out to the church at Colossae, the importance of, of putting off the old man. Now, ladies, I'm not talking about your husband who you've had enough of, right? I'm not talking about that old man, right? I'm talking about the old man, the old ways, right? The fact that you are not what you were. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We know that here. We know that here. But sometimes we fail to walk out this new identity. And if we're not intentional about that, if we're not putting God first, if we're not jumping out of the driver's seat and letting Jesus take the wheel, literally, right, then we get in the way. And we go back oftentimes to our default setting, which is not what God has for us, because God has better for us. 
And so what Paul says to the church in Colossae in, in Colossians chapter three is a, a charge to, to put off, to identify those things that are inconsistent with this new nature. Do you know when you embrace Christ as your savior, you, in, you, you inherited a new nature? That positionally before God, you're perfect because now you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And so positionally we're perfect, but our way of living needs to catch up with our position. And there goes, there's the ministry of the Holy Spirit sanctifying us, making us more like Jesus. And so what does it look like? It looks like us surrendering, us listening to the Holy Spirit as he identifies areas in our life that says, no, that's not consistent with your new nature. Let Let that anger go. Let that bitterness go. Let that unforgiveness go. That's not who I've made you. I've made you a new creation. He that the sun sets free is free indeed. And so I want you to walk in freedom. I want you to walk in forgiveness. I want you to walk in peace and joy and all these things that God has for us. And so how do we walk in that? We say no to our flesh. We starve our flesh. and We feed our spirit. Colossians chapter three and verse one. We're gonna go through that passage together. We're gonna make some applications and then we're gonna go feast. How's that sound? Colossians chapter three and verse one. I think we could possibly do this every Sunday, but that would be probably a bad thing. Colossians chapter three and verse one. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. Now, for those who have been here every single night these last two weeks, you're gonna hear a little bit of reminder of where we've been, Uh, and I'm doing that intentionally so we can tie in this whole passage that we've been kind of um, um, sampling each each night that we've been gathering together. Notice what what Paul says here. He says we are to, first he said, if you've been raised with Christ, In other words, if you've died to your sin and you've been raised together in newness of life, right? If you've been raised in Christ, he says, seek the things that are above. So he says, seek the things that are above. And then he says to set your minds on things that are above. You see, the reality of it is our default setting is to always go back to what we were. And if we're not starting to intentionally seek the things that are above, we're gonna go back to that which we're most familiar with. And it's gonna put us in a place that that, that's not where God wants us to be. And so he says, so before you start looking everywhere, look up. Seek those things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then he says, look, he says, set your minds on things that are above. In other words, first he talks about the things that we look at, and then he talks about those things that we set our hearts on, the mindsets that we oftentimes allow ourselves to be identified by. And what Paul is saying to the church of Colossae and to each and every one of us today is, man, we've been raised together in Christ. And as new creations in Christ, our focus is to be towards Christ and Christ alone. Our heart needs to be connected to what God is doing. 
And as, we are, as we're seeking those things that are above, if we're, as we're setting our minds on those things that are above, we're gonna walk in the fullness of what God has for us. Nothing sadder than a Christian who's not walking in the fullness of what God has for him. I, I, say, I knew I was, I was like that a lot when I was a teenager. You know, I just kind of up and down and on the fence and up and down roller coaster kind of thing. It was, it was a bummer because you see, I didn't fit in with the world because I wasn't of the world and I didn't really fit in with the church because I wasn't living for God. And so it's kind of like in this limbo stage and there's nothing more boring than being in the limbo stage because you don't really fit in anywhere. And there's so many times Christians do that. They just settle for good enough. And God's like, no, I've called you to greatness. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life and it's so much greater and grander than anything you thought possible. And we'll never walk in that unless we're seeking those things that are above. Setting our minds on things that are above. Then he goes on and says in verse 3, he says, for, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He said, if you've been raised with Christ, you're dead. It's kind of like what he told the church in Galatians, Galatians chapter 2. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live by faith, I live in the Son of God, by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. In other words, listen, do you realize the call of Christianity is a call to dying to yourself? But it doesn't stop there. You have to die to yourself if you want the life of Christ to be lived out in you. And that's where the joy comes in. That's where the peace comes in. That's where the purpose comes in. And Paul is saying to him, listen, your life, you're died. You've been raised in Christ. You have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. I love that. Your life is, is hidden with Christ in God. And kind of, you know, we talked about like if this is, is your life, this is what people are seeing. This is what's mostly, like this is what we are always trying to promote. This is your life, right? But our life is not to be about us. Our life is to be hidden with Christ in God. So that when people see us, they don't see us, they see Jesus. We have been identified with Christ. You see, you see, in hard times, and when we all stand before God, how many want to be hidden in Christ, right? We all want to be identified when we want to be identified, but the reality is we need to walk out like we're identified in Christ, or we are to live lives that are hidden with Christ in God. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Look, he says, but look, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love that. You see, what you're experiencing right now is not the end of the story. There's gonna be a day when you cross out of this thing called time and into a place called eternity and everything that didn't make sense over here, everything that hurt over here, everything that we worried about over here is going to be no more. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. And you see, in, those, in that time, what will be absent is the presence of sin and the effects of sin. And we will walk out as we were intended to walk out before the fall, walking with God in relationship as Adam and Eve did prior to the fall. And he said, that's what you are. 
He says, put to death, therefore. He says, you're, you're, for you have died, but then he says, look, but this is, but put to death, therefore. Wait a minute, I thought he just said we died. Yeah, the problem is we keep resurrecting ourselves. You see, positionally, we have died, for you have died, but there's a lot of me that still wants to live. There's a lot of me that still wants to be recognized. There's a lot of me that still wants to be noticed. There's a lot of me that still wants to be taken care of. Am I the only selfish person in the room? Right? I mean, that, that, that's the reality for us. We don't talk about that in church. I do. But, but the reality is that's in each and every one of us. And you see, that's the stuff that gets in the way. Because when we are self-preserving and making sure we're taken care of, oftentimes we do that at the expense of everybody else. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. What are some things that are earthly in us? Oof. Here comes the laundry list. Ready? You're going to be happy you got up this morning. Put to death what is earthly in you. What is that? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. These are, the, these are the manifestations of sin. God is loving, yes, but God is also righteous, and God will always judge sin. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Each of these things, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too, look, once walked when you were living in them. Yes, we did. At one time in our life, it was consistent with our nature. It was appropriate because we were still in our sin. We were still spiritually dead. And spiritually dead people do things like engage in sexual immorality and impurity and passion. That's what they do. So stop judging everybody, by the way, based on them not being where you are. Sinners sin. They don't need you to highlight what they're doing wrong. They need you to highlight the solution to their sin problem. We present Jesus as the solution, and you know what they stop doing? Engaging in sexual immorality and impurity and all these other things. Let Jesus deal with people, right? Because that's what we were too. That's what we once walked in when we were, we were living in them. I don't know about you, but I was living in them. But, it doesn't stop there. But now, you must put them all away because you don't live in them anymore. Right? As he's saying, in these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but you don't live there anymore. You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. It's interesting when we go through that first list of sexual immorality and pure and passion and evil desire, we're like, well, I'm not really that bad, is what oftentimes people think. I'm not that person. And so Paul's like, all right, let's get, let's get really to the, the issue here. Here's some other things you need to put away. Anger, wrath, slander, talking about people, obscene talk, those jokes that you think are so funny that are inconsistent with that new nature. Do not lie to one another. See, now he moves, he, he moves from the actions 
the, uh, the, uh, that we saw early, the, 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 these immorality, imperial, covetousness, he moves now to the things that flow out of our mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Why is he addressing the things we talk about? Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, if you ever really want to know how you're doing, take notice of what comes out of your mouth. Take inventory about what you talk about and who you talk about and what you talk about. Do not lie to one another. Why? Because Satan is the father of lies, Jesus says. He's a liar from the beginning. But we're new creations in Christ Jesus. We have this new nature. We have this new identity. And so that's not consistent with what we are. And he says, so put those things off. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. I love that. You see, we talk about this, this idea of intentionality. Yes, God is doing the work. Yes, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Yes, he's going to complete the work that began in, his, in our life. But somewhere in that, we are also called to work out our own salvation. We are called to walk in obedience. So where does our efforts stop and God's ability to carry us through kick in? I don't know. I don't know. I know I can't complete the work. But I know I can do better than I've been doing. Right? And you see, where my ability falls short, God's grace will carry me through. I always say, live like everything depends on you and sleep at night knowing that he's got you and he will complete the work in your life. Having put on the new self, which is, I love this, being renewed. In other words, it is a process, right? That's a verb. It's, 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 it is a process of being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, I love this, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. I love this. What Paul is saying here is here in this identity, in this arena, in the, in the life of this new, this new man, we don't identify people by what they look like. We don't identify them by their, by, by the, whether they're male or female, whether they're black or white, whether, whatever they may be. He's saying, here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in and all. In other words, as Christ redeemed people, we need to look at all people with dignity and respect because all people are made in the image of God. We ought not to divide and hate. It doesn't mean we have to agree with lifestyle choices. It doesn't mean we need to agree with what the culture says is morally acceptable. We need to not lower our standards and hold true to what the word of God says. But at the same token, we also need to recognize the importance of not condemning people based on what we see. Let God deal with that. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Here's the things we ought to put on. We saw the things we ought to put off. And here's, here's the things that we, not only we ought to put on, but ready, we get to put on. 
We have an opportunity. We, we, we've been given the ability now to put these things on. These things that we're about to look, like, look at are impossible for an unredeemed person to naturally put on. They can have moments of good behavior, good behavior modification, but an unredeemed person cannot have a life transformation. Only Jesus can do that. And so here's what we have an opportunity now to walk in. He says, now put on then, as God's chosen ones, you who are holy and beloved. I love that. He's kind of he's letting you know, here's your identity, right? This idea of holy is this idea of being other. You're not like anybody else. You have been set aside for God's purposes. You are God's chosen ones. Here's what you want to put on. Compassionate hearts towards others. Put on kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Some of those things are just not easy, right? And I gotta work at some of this stuff. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. You know what bearing with one another is? It means letting go of the need to change people. Can we just bear with one another and let the Holy Spirit change people? I've discovered he does a much better job than I can ever do, right? Bearing with one another. I think we need to learn the importance of bearing with one another. Everybody's different. Everybody's working on different areas of their life and their sanctification. What you might be a rock star in in one area, Somebody might be a failure in it another, but you know what? They might be really strong in an area that you tank in all the time. And so how about we just kind of bear with one another and let the Holy Spirit do the work in each other's lives. Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against each other, like, like that would really happen, right? Like not like anybody would ever complain about one another, right? But just in case, Paul just want to make sure he covered everything, every base for that church that you know might be down the road, you know, but it doesn't happen here. But but in the event there's a complaint about one another, he said, if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Forgive each other. How? Well, how is he forgiving you? Forgive one another even as the Lord has forgiven you. Do you realize what, 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 what the Holy Spirit just gave to us in that text? That becomes the standard as to why and if we should forgive other people. Because I have done nothing to deserve forgiveness from God and yet I am the recipient of God's forgiveness and God help me if I cannot extend forgiveness to other people. So you also must forgive. And he says this, and above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I like that. I mean, Paul's talking, giving us this picture of somebody getting dressed, right? He's like, here's the, here's the garments 
of the new believer. Here's the things that you are to put on. Make sure you put on some, some compassion, hearts, and kindness, and humility, and meekness, and patience, and make sure you kind of you know, dress to the nines in these areas, right? Put these things on, and he says, but above all else, he says, put on love. Love serves as the belt, right? It binds everything together, right? Love is what makes kindness possible and compassion possible. Everything flows out of a heart of of love that we have been recipients of from God himself. Above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. I love that. Let the peace of Christ. You see that word there? Let. Let. In other words, it's not gonna just happen Sometimes you gotta let it happen. Sometimes you gotta take your hands off and let the peace of God govern your hearts in Christ Jesus. He says the same, uses the same word in 16. He says, look, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, he's talking about taking the initiative. He's talking about us doing. He's talking about us putting in motion these things. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. The word of God is the thing that's going to inform how we can be kind, how we can be compassionate, how, can we, how we can be loving, how we can be all of these things. The word of God is the thing that's going to inform us the most. And so we need to be really careful to make sure and intentional to ensure that we are regularly in the word of God. I mentioned the other night that if I am the only voice that you're hearing, if I'm the only spiritual teaching input that you're getting, you're not getting enough. You must be in the word of God. Let the word of God get into your own heart because the Holy Spirit can apply it to your unique situation in a way that will change you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, seeking, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Don't do that to me. Don't sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to me. That's not what we do. We do it with thankfulness in our hearts to God. To God. And he says this, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus because we represent him. We are his ambassadors. We are the salt of the earth. It's interesting, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and then he says, and you are the light of the world. We are a reflection of him the light. And so he says, as this new nature, this, this new person, when, you, when you're putting on what I have called you and equipped you and enabled you to put on, make sure that everything you do is done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we've come to the end of this fast and we have each work through this in different ways and I pray that God the Holy Spirit takes that investment and brings forth fruit in our lives that is pleasing to God. That we would walk out as followers of Jesus Christ 
remembering who we are and whose we are so that we'd be a blessing to him, a blessing to one another, and a blessing to the world to which we are called to influence for Christ. Father, thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that you've stepped into our mess and you've made us new. God, I pray that as we go into a new year, I pray that we would walk out this life that you have empowered us and equipped us to walk out in. Help us not to get discouraged and frustrated with ourselves with where we're not, but give us a sense of grace and passion and tenacity to follow hard after you. And I pray, Lord, that as we, as we gather together for a meal together, a time of celebration following this fast, I pray that our I pray that relationships would begin, our fellowship would be a time of encouragement to one another, and we ask, Lord, your, your blessing upon it all. In Christ's name we pray.